Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Patriotic American Citizen Podcast, or Pac-Man for short. I'm Ted Flint, your host, and we begin with some breaking news. Former President Donald Trump is launching a new communications platform, and that will allow him to communicate with his followers, millions of followers, after previously being banned, as you know, from posting on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. These big tech media giants, they fear him for obvious reasons. He will not be held down. He puts America first, and he's got millions of followers. Sorry, Zuckerberg. I know Zuckerberg owns both Facebook and Instagram. I forget who owns Twitter, but it's not important. The president taking matters into his own hand, uh, own, own hands. I'll say the former president, hopefully the future president. So Trump's new platform is called From the Desk of Donald J. Trump. It appears to be supported by Campaign Nucleus a creation of former campaign manager Brad Parscale. This is in Fox News. Users are able to share content or will be able to share content from the platform, the, the new platform, to other social media sites, but they cannot interact with the former president's posts, again, according to Fox News. So it's a one-way communication, but one way is better than no way, I guess, is how you can look at it. We'll uh, talk a little bit in this program about how two states have handled the COVID virus, Florida and New York. Now, we know how New York is handling it, how Governor uh, Cuomo is handling it and has handled it. In Florida, the governor there, Ron DeSantis, who's been talked about as a possible presidential contender in 24, maybe he'll be uh, a running mate of Trump's, hopefully. But anyway, he signed an executive order this week, a couple of them. One would ban COVID-19 vaccine passports in his state, and an executive order that suspends all local pandemic emergency mandates effective July 1. So if Miami or Fort Lauderdale or whatever, any local, uh, any city wants to enact an emergency pandemic mandate, it's not going to happen after July 1st. And this bill also includes a ban on vaccine passports, and that would, they would levy fines of $5,000 per Violation. And the governor makes it simple. He said, look, we, we're doing everything based on the evidence. Is, don't you hear that from the liberals? We have to follow the evidence, follow the science. That's what they're doing in Florida. We're not doing that here in New York. But in Florida, DeSantis said proponents of the lockdowns are really saying you don't believe in the vaccines. You don't believe in the data. You don't believe in the science. So they're embracing the vaccines. We're embracing the science on it. And the local mandate's going to be a thing of the past come July 1. They want to get back to normal living, as we everybody does. We do here in New York as well. In terms of what a supermarket or some of them choose to do, a Disney theme park, this according to DeSantis now, this does not deal with that one one way or the other. It's simply emergency orders and emergency penalties on individual businesses. So uh, he's been a vocal opponent, as Governor DeSantis, of the so-called vaccine passports. He says they would create two classes of people, vaccinated and unvaccinated individuals. Even the ACLU has come out against the passports. Uh, The ACLU said that it would be potentially invasive of individuals' privacy rights and would restrict individuals who don't have smartphones that can display an app showing whether they're vaccinated or not. I mean, that's true. When you have the ACLU coming out against it, you know that something's wrong with it. But DeSantis said, and, and this is obviously true, you have a right to participate in society, go to a restaurant, a movie, a ball game, without having to divulge whether or not you've been vaccinated. I mean, we have a Bill of Rights. We don't chuck the Bill of Rights because of a 
a virus. But in New York State, it appears we've done that. So the governor was at a briefing this week, and this guy's got, he's got some chutzpah. It's the hubris of this guy. He implied at a briefing this week that if you're unvaccinated, you could threaten the lives of, of the elderly, your elderly family members, your parents, possibly grandparents, if you don't get inoculated. This is his direct quote. Maybe you go home and kiss your grandmother and wind up killing your grandmother. And he's referring to those who have, have abstained from vaccination. You're listening to one of them. This guy's killed more grandmothers. If, if anybody knows anything about killing the elderly, it's, it's Cuomo with his nursing home policies. 6,500 dead in nursing homes over his policies. And he's got the temerity to suggest that if you're not vaccinated, you're putting your elderly parents or relatives at risk. This guy's unbelievable. New York Times reported last week that, that senior officials in the governor's administration attempted to prevent the state health department from disclosing the true number of coronavirus deaths in assisted living facilities since last spring, spring of 2020. Unbelievable. They've, they've undercounted the uh, number of nursing home victims. Uh, in New York State, we do things differently. I mean, the state of New York, the, the state government is still basically in lockdown mode. The state government is off limits to the public. I mean, there are barricades all over the place and fences up. Uh, the uh, Capitol is virtually closed to the public. Only people who work there are allowed in. I wish I weren't allowed in, but unfortunately, I, I work there. But yeah, they're, they're, just, they're in lockdown mode. Florida's not that way. We should let the people participate in their own government. It sends the wrong message with all the barricades and fences up all over the place. But that's New York. That's a blue state. That's the that's a blue state mentality. Look what the new president did in July, in uh, January after being inaugurated. Barricades up, fence. It looked like North Korea in Washington D.C. Anyway, I want to. I'm going to jump around here. I want to get back to COVID. I read, read today that a Pfizer is testing a single pill cure for COVID-19. Now, Pfizer, one of the three uh, companies with the uh, the vaccine. I have not been vaccinated as yet, as you know. I've been talking about this and. Every day, I just read more and more uh, things about the vaccines. I mean, I don't think the FDA has yet approved them. And, uh, it, you know, if the people I know, if they've been vaccinated, and most of my, I think all of my coworkers have been vaccinated, if they don't grow a third arm by September, maybe I'll, I'll think about it. You know, in New York State, I don't think hydroxychloroquine has been given the green light by the State Department of Health or the governor. Why is it up to the governor to decide a course of treatment if you uh, contract COVID? If I contracted cancer, the course of treatment I would follow would be up to me, my doctor, or doctors, my family. It's not up to the governor. Why does he get to decide whether hydroxychloroquine is, a, is part of somebody's treatment for COVID? I don't, I don't get it. But anyway, uh, Pfizer is developing uh, uh, what it is calling a cure. It's a pill that'll help provide a so-called full toolbox to address the virus. So Charlotte Allerton is Pfizer's head of medicine design, and she told the magazine Chemical and Engineering News, for the foreseeable future, we will expect to see continued outbreaks from COVID-19. And therefore, with all, as with all viral pandemics, it is important that we have a full toolbox on how to address it. It just makes sense. As far as a pill, I don't know if you take it one time and you're, you're cured forever, but this drug is, a, a, I'm going to read now off WorldNet Daily, a protease inhibitor, which prevents viral replication by selectively binding to the spine 
of the SARS-CoV-2 virus that causes COVID-19. So the pill was introduced at the American Chemical Society's spring 2021 meeting early last month, and we'll see how it how it goes. I don't know if it's been approved yet by the uh, by the FDA, but any any news on this front is welcome news, I guess, at this point. All right, what else happening here? Oh, did you see Jimmy Carter and and Rosalind Carter? They were uh, visited by the first couple. The Bidens visited uh, the former president and his wife. And I, I was taken by how small Rosalind Carter is. She looked like a little, uh, like a, 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 I don't want to say dummy, but I mean, you know, Biden looked like a ventriloquist. He's a dummy. But he was like, tw- and Joe Biden is not a big man, and he's no spring chicken himself. He's 78. I think Rosalind's in her middle to late 90s, and she looks so small, like a child sitting there next to him. Joe was sitting next to Rosalind and, uh, and Jill next to uh, Jimmy, Jimmy Carter, former president. And he, you know, he's quite old himself. He's 96 or 97. The Carter's first-class individuals. Jimmy Carter is a wonderful man. He really is. He's a, he's a fine Christian. I think he still teaches a Sunday school class. <laughs> Jimmy Carter was just a horrible president. The Bidens are horrible people, and Joe Biden so far has just been horrendous as president. Anyway, um, let's see. I just, if you get a chance, I saw it on Breitbart. The, oh, and by the way, the Bidens were not wearing masks. They keep touting masks and how elderly people are at risk. The Carters, no doubt they've been vaccinated, but still, no masks. And that, Speaking of masks, I caught the, uh, I'm skipping around here. It's very late. My blood sugar's through the roof. <laughs> I, I caught the uh, the uh, Kentucky Derby on Saturday. Did you catch the Derby? I love watching horse racing, and that's the granddaddy of them all, the run for the roses. I forget who won the race. It was Bob Baffert won again. He wins every year. Horse went off 12 to 1, paid uh, 40-something dollars. But nobody was wearing masks. Not I didn't see any masks. 52,000 people in attendance, no masks. It was refreshing. I said on Facebook, this is what freedom looks like. The state of Kentucky, they're free. You know, up here in New York, it's like you're living in communist China or in Soviet Russia. It's unbelievable. Anyway, uh, I want to end up with with this piece here from uh, townhall.com. And I heard Levin talking about this yesterday a little bit. The second largest teachers union in the country, the American Federation of Teachers, uh, they shaped guidance from the Centers for Disease Control on school reopenings. And they're working very closely with the CDC. And Jen Piasaki, as, as Levin call, calls her Pisaki, it's Jen Saki. She was uh, put on the on the spot today regarding this. And, and uh, I, I'm not surprised by the CDC working with the AFT. And these, these government agencies work very closely together. And, of course, she denied it. But the American Federation of Teachers lobbied the CDC early on, and even suggested language for the agency's school reopening guidance, which was released in February. Now, a lot of schools have reopened, are going back full-time. A school up near us, Salem, they're going back full-time. Our school isn't. They're still remote. And I guess it varies among municipalities and, and districts around the state. But uh, yeah, it's, too, it's too lengthy to go into. But, I mean, uh, the documents show a flurry of activity. The CDC and AFT connection between the CDC director, Dr. Rochelle Walensky, her top advisors, and uh, union officials. And President Biden was looped in at the White House. 
in the days before this this big February 12th announcement on school reopening guidelines. So, I mean, this, you know, Levin went into it in great detail, and I'm not going to go into it, but the CDC and the teachers' unions, I mean, uh, why is that a surprise? They would be working together. And that's one of the big, But and speaking of the schools not being reopened here in New York State, the biggest obstacle, or one of them, is that the the, uh, the desks have to be six feet apart. Uh, that's not doable in most classrooms. I mean, it's a it's a space thing. It's a money thing. So schools are not able to reopen fully. A lot of kids are still learning remotely. And, you know, that benefits a lot. My daughters are doing great. Their average is over 100 in all their classes. They're high honors, but they're honor students anyway. But a lot of kids have not done well uh, with this remote learning. They're not, you know, they need to be in the classroom. They need to be physically in their seat and have the teacher instructing them. So it, it's not working out for all these these kids, unfortunately. But anyway, uh, what else happening? I guess that's it. We, there's uh, oh, there's one thing here I want to get to. This is totally unrelated, unrelated to the pandemic or what we've been talking about. Uh, just one piece of state news here because I work for the Assembly. Earlier this week, the Assembly and the State Senate approved legislation that would extend this pandemic-driven moratorium on uh, tenant evictions <clears throat> until August 31st. Now, you might say, well, that's a New York City issue, landlords and tenants. Nobody cares about that upstate. Well, I mean, you know, there are renters here upstate as well. And it affects uh, landlords all across New York State. So these, uh, not, I'm not saying every renter, but uh, most of these people in New York City are using the, the COVID pandemic as an excuse not to pay their rent. And a lot of these people have not paid rent in over a year. Meanwhile, the landlords to whom they're paying their rent, they need to pay their mortgages. They need to pay for the upkeep on their rental units in their own homes. You know, heating costs and and uh, now air conditioning with the summer coming up and maybe, you know, they have to make repairs to their homes and whatnot and their rental properties are unable to do it. They don't have the cash flow because their tenants are not paying the rent and they can't kick them out because the, the Democrats here in, in Albany are... It, it, they're always for the renter, never for the the homeowner or the landlord in this case. They view landlords as people who have money, and, and just an endless supply of money, and they can afford to suck it up for another few months. So until August 31st, these people can claim that they, uh, they've been hit by COVID and they, they don't have any money, although they're getting money from the federal government, they're getting money from the state government to stay home and not work. Unemployment ins- insurance has been extended. I forget how long. It's just like, it's the same stuff here. The socialists and the Marxists who run the state are running it into the ground. And they have an issue with people who have businesses and people who operate freely in the marketplace. They hate the free markets, is what it boils down to. But these renters, not all of them, but a lot of these New York City renters have taken advantage of COVID. And again, they're getting money from the feds, money from taxpayers, and they're not holding up their end of the bargain. Hopefully, uh, you got something out of this. And if you're thinking of doing what I'm doing, and hopefully you don't digress as much as I digress, but if you want to do a podcast and you haven't gotten around to it, it's really easy to do. And the best way to do it, if you're thinking of launching one, is to use Buzzsprout. Buzzsprout is hands down the easiest and best way to launch a podcast. Buzzsprout will get your show listed in every major podcast platform. You will get a great-looking podcast website, audio players you can drop into other websites. 
detailed analytics to see how people are listening, tools to promote your episodes, and a lot more. So why not join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout and get your message out to the world? All you have to do is follow the link in this show's notes and get started today. Plus, if you sign up for a paid plan, Buzzsprout will give you a $20 Amazon gift card. Again, just follow the link in the show notes so that Buzzsprout knows that I, the patriotic American citizen, Ted Flint, sent you Buzzsprout, the easiest way to launch a podcast. And that's going to do it for this podcast. If you want to access this program and some of the other fine shows we have, go to the bmgnetwork.com. And if you want to get in touch with me directly, you can uh, email me at pacman, P-A-C-M-A-N, at thebmgnetwork.com, all lowercase. Thanks for tuning in, and if the Lord wills it, we will talk to you soon. The Pac-Man Podcast was produced and edited in the BMG Studio. Music by Kevin McLeod. For more episodes of the Pac-Man Podcast, go to the bmgnetwork.com or go to the BMG Network on Facebook. And be sure to tune in to the next episode of the Pac-Man Podcast with Ted Flint. Thank you.